They were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard, one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and they kept saying, Aren't these all Galileans? How come they're, they're, we're hearing them talk in our mother's tongues? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages. And they're Galileans who speak Aramaic and occasionally Hebrew. They're describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? So that's the question of the day. What's going on there? What's going on on Pentecost the very first time? What's going on? And the first thing that's going on, God has gone global. I think as you read the Old Testament, it's clear God, God's always intended to touch all of humanity. But there was a, like a, a light focused upon one nation, Israel, and then through that nation, God was going to reach out to the rest. It was somewhat thwarted because the light that shined on Israel stayed in Israel and didn't go out to the Gentiles. And so there came a point that God said, look, I love you. I really love you, Israel. However, for you to be included in what I'm doing, there has to be Gentiles involved. God's, never been, God's, God's work has never just been with one people. It's always been through a people to others. Israel will never be complete without Gentiles. So God said, I'm going to do something different. And so here is that point where God makes it absolutely crystal clear. I'm going global. This is a new day. And I'm speaking to the whole world. And every language that's being represented in Jerusalem at this Feast of Pentecost, I'm going to speak about what I'm doing in their language through these people that are following me. God's gone global. The other thing is the Holy Spirit has empowered those following Jesus to announce God's global message. Remember, Jesus said, you're going to have to wait for a while. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you with power. Wait until the Holy Spirit empowers you to deliver the message that I want you to deliver to your generation. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. This is that moment. The Holy Spirit comes upon these 120 followers of Jesus. He empowers them to testify, to give witness to God's mighty works. Those empowered witnesses are describing in the languages of those that are in Jerusalem for that Feast of Pentecost, God's mighty works. His mighty works are three. One, Jesus is alive. The resurrection has happened now. Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus has been raised from the dead. That's number one. Number two, Jesus is the promised king. Jesus is the Messiah. What we as Jews have been waiting for, what we've read, it's now happened. He's the one. The coming king is here. It's Jesus. And with that king, the kingdom of God is now arriving. That's God's mighty works. It's those three things. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the king, the Messiah. And the kingdom of God is arriving. Now you may wonder... What difference does that make? What difference does it make that Jesus is alive? That Jesus is the Messiah, the King, and that the kingdom is arriving? I would, I would look, I, I think for them and for us, this, this, I don't, I, I, if this does, I mean, if this doesn't mean anything to us, I don't know what is going to mean anything to us. It means that humanity's rebellion against the rule of God is forgiven once and for all. If you go back to the garden, God set up a rule. His rule was enjoy, have a great time, eat whatever you want, just don't. One tree, don't eat of that. There was a rebellion in the garden against the rule of God. And from that point until this point in biblical history, Humanity has been against the rule of God on the earth. And there have been these invitations, these ovations, these, this movement towards reestablishing the rule of God on the earth. You travel through the Old Testament, that's what it's about. But now something definitive has happened in Jesus. The king has come. <laughs> and so humanity's rebellion can now be forgiven. And God is reestablishing his rule on the earth in the midst of humanity, directing humans towards what is best in life, beginning now and lasting without end. God has begun setting things right. Everything that went wrong from Adam to this moment, God has pledged to begin to set everything right on the earth from that initial rebellion by Adam and Eve. And then God has judged. He's judged the evil one. I mean, behind the rebellion was a rebellious evil one. And God's judged him. And God has, has he's ended his reign of terror over humanity on the earth. That's a big deal. I don't think there's any better news for humanity than this news. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the king. 
and his kingdom is arriving, and this is what is happening from this day of Pentecost to our day. Now, when you put that in the context of where we are in reading the story of Acts, it makes all the difference in the world that the Holy Spirit has come and empowered the followers of Jesus. Look at Acts 15, starting in verse 22. Everyone agreed. Apostles, leaders, all the people, they picked Judas, named Barsabbas and Silas. They both carried considerable weight in the church. And they sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas with this letter. From the apostles and leaders, your friends, to our friends in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Hello. We heard that some men from our church went to you and said things that confused and upset you. Mind you, they had no authority from us. We didn't send them. We have agreed unanimously to pick representatives and send them to you with our good friends Barnabas and Paul. We picked men we knew you could trust, Judas and Silas. They've looked death in the face time and time again for the sake of our master Jesus. We sent them to confirm in a face-to-face meeting with you what we've written. It seemed to the Holy Spirit and to us that you should not be saddled with any crushing burden, but be responsible only for these bare necessities. Bare necessities. Oh, sorry. Be careful not to get involved in activities connected with idols. That's the overriding statement. Avoid serving food which has been offered to idols. That's offensive to Jewish, Christian, and non-Christian. Blood, especially. And guard the morality of sex and marriage by not going to pagan temples where there's cult prostitution. These guidelines are sufficient to keep relations congenial between us and God be with you. So off they went to Antioch. On arrival, they gathered the church and they sent the letter. They read the letter. The people were greatly relieved and pleased. Judas and Silas, good preachers, both of them, strengthened their new friends with many words of courage and hope. Then it was a time to go home. And they were sent off by their new friends with laughter and braces all around to report back to those who had sent them. Paul and Barnabas stayed on in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of God. They weren't alone. There were a number of teachers and preachers at that time in Antioch. Now, what I want you to see in reading that is that the Holy Spirit made all the difference in so many ways in what we just read. The life of the church that we want to become like because there's no other model for what the church is meant to be like except the model of, that you find in the Bible. If you would notice, this is, maybe this is too long a shopping list, but without the Holy Spirit, there would not have been agreement between everybody in Jerusalem about what to do with a very serious problem. But because the Holy Spirit was there, there's agreement. With the Holy Spirit, there is an authority through servanthood by James and the other apostles and leaders. And there's a trust that develops between those that are serving and those that are being served. The Holy Spirit is the one that's behind that. There's a partnership. It seemed to the Holy Spirit and to us. 
That means that you have people that are in relationship with the Holy Spirit. They're listening. The Holy Spirit is speaking. They're writing down. They're talking together. There's this partnership between the Holy Spirit and the leadership that resolves, again, a very, very thorny issue. That's the Holy Spirit. He's at work. He's doing what he's he's supposed to do. There's wisdom in the guidelines. There's, There's a profound wisdom in what this letter carries with it and the significance of it. There's congeniality between the Gentile and the Jew, which did not exist until Jesus came. What Jesus did through the cross, through the resurrection, with the good news of the kingdom, there's this huge gulf, this high wall was demolished so that the Gentile world and the Jewish world could now mix and the house of David could become all that God intended it to be with Jew and Gentile in the same house. That's happening. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's come. It would not have happened without the Holy Spirit. The sense that God is with us. Hello, God is with us. It's the Holy Spirit. He keeps showing up. He's with us. Words of courage and hope spoken by preachers that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Laughter, affection. That's the Holy Spirit at work. A multitude of preachers and teachers in a local church. You see, the activity of the church in Acts, it would not have happened without the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. He empowered the witnesses. And it continues into this chapter. The whole life of the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I want to bring that to us as a community and just, again, go over the top. Maybe a little obnoxious, but here it comes. Get ready. Empowerment by the Holy Spirit comes as we go wherever he directs. Another way to say that, if we're not going anywhere with the message that Jesus has entrusted us to deliver... We are not going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission and the filling of the Holy Spirit cannot be separated. The only way that we can accomplish the last commissioning that Jesus has given to us is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus says, Go, making disciples, baptizing, teaching them, and lo... Hi, I don't know, anyway, uh, I'm going to be with you. But that I'll be with you is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's, if we're not going, if we're not making disciples, if we're not baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if we're not teaching others to obey all that Jesus has taught us to obey, we can, don't expect to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean he won't be around, but it does mean he will be grieved. And it does mean that he will be quenched. Because he's given us the same assignment as he gave them. And when we go, we will be empowered. See, Katie, by being willing to go to Israel and Palestine, she will experience empowerment by the Holy Spirit that she's never experienced before because just by virtue of her willingness to go. 
And she's going to run into situation after situation that she can't handle. And she'll say, I can't do this. And the Holy Spirit said, that's right, you can't do this. But I can empower you to do this. She'll be in that position again and again. Matt, get ready, buddy. Because you're willing to go. But by, by being willing to go, that's when the Holy Spirit empowers. Now, our going doesn't have to be all the way to Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It can be one step out that door. But it's all of us with the same mindset. We come together to build each other up, to encourage one another so that we will go and deliver the message that Jesus wants us to deliver to our generation. Whether that's in Jerusalem, and Bethlehem, whether that's San Marcos, whether that's the school we attend, that, whether that's where we work, whether that's to our neighbor. It's, and it's all of us. doesn't matter the age. All of us. Empowerment by the Holy Spirit comes as we go announcing the good news of the kingdom. Our job is to let our generation know Jesus is alive. And, we, and it's not just on Easter. I mean, that we need to let our generation know each and every day, every opportunity we can, Jesus is alive. Jesus is the promised king. Jesus has initiated his kingdom on the earth. Everything on planet earth that's gone horribly wrong is being set right. Wow! What difference does that make? You get to fill in the blank. That's, that's the message. We get to deliver. And we can't do that without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowerment by the Holy Spirit comes as we invite others, and especially outsiders, to follow Jesus. I mean, that's what this whole chapter in Acts 15 is about. How the outsiders, those Gentiles become insiders. And the Holy Spirit is empowering that to happen. We have outsiders in our generation. Many, many people, they, they just sense, they just feel, they have an idea, they're outside of who we are. And it's our job not to put, a, put up a big billboard and neon lights, you know, have great programs. That It's our job to go to them, not just to be welcoming when people come. We are to go. And as we go with this message to those, especially outsiders, the Holy Spirit will empower us. And finally, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes as we commit ourselves to the ministry of edification. That is building up, not tearing down the body of Christ. Pentecost is an event in our history. But Pentecost is not meant just to be the past. Pentecost is meant to be today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Remember the balloon? This is my imaginary balloon. It gets big enough that I let it go right towards Joss's head. But it doesn't go towards Joss's head. It goes wherever the wind blows it. Then we pick it up, blow it up again. That is normative life in the Spirit of God. So if you'd like to be inflated, would you please stand?
So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. And then whoever feels full, you just get to run around the room and go... <laughs> and then you fall over, and then we'll pray for you again. No. <laughs> this is the adventure that a holy God would want to empower us from the inside out to deliver this, I mean, world-changing message to our generation. Oh, my goodness. What other, what other purpose... Is, and what's better than that? Huh? Holy Spirit. We've said it so many ways today. And I know you're not deaf and I know you're not dumb. And our invitation is simply that you would come. And that you'd fill us. Just like that balloon. That you just breathe, breathe, breathe your breath into our soul. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Empower us. Because we want to be witnesses of our King and His kingdom in our generation. Today, on this earth, right now. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. And as you fill us, knowing that we want to deliver this message... To our generation, send us. Just, just as clearly as you sent Katie to Jerusalem and Bethlehem, send each one of us. What's your assignment for us this day? Send us to our neighbor. Send us to a particular gas station. Send us to a store. Send us to a restaurant. Send us to a family member. Send us into the school. Send us empowered by you to deliver your message. Holy Spirit, we want our generation to know that Jesus is alive. We want our generation to know that Jesus is the forever king. We want our generation to know that Jesus has begun to set things right on planet earth and he won't be stopped. It's a new day. It's a bigger day. It's a better day. Empower us to deliver that message to our generation. You know the gifts that we need. You know the character that we need. Empower us with each and every gift. Empower us with all of the character. Empower us and send us. We are your witnesses to our generation. Fill us. Fill us to overflow. I want to invite you just to linger and just in your kind of your own words just a similar type prayer so, I mean just your personal invitation you saying to the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit I welcome you 
I want, I need you. I want you to fill me. So I want to just give you the moment just to personalize that prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us. Thank you for resting upon us. Thank you that you're listening to us. Thank you that you are filling us with your presence. You're filling us with your power. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with life anew. I'm praying for you there's a guy that just walked by and he uh, did a double take as he's walking by and just that the message to me is there there's a there's there's a bunch of people out and about that are really curious about who you are and who Jesus is and what what is what is this thing what's this church thing what what is that we get to go tell people. We get to go have conversation. We just get to go tell our story. Our job isn't to convince people. Our job is not to argue people into some sort of decision. It's just to say, this is who I know Jesus to be. This is what I believe Jesus is up to. (laughs) This is my story. I'm sticking with it. And if you want to come along with me, come on. So Holy Spirit, thanks for that guy that just walked by. And I pray that his questions about Jesus, about life, about church, I pray that they would be answered someday by somebody just like us. Now send us. Send us to our generation. In your name I pray. Amen. Happy Pentecost.